0: Welcome back to the Joshua Shaw audio experience. Firstly, thank you for giving me a bit of your attention. I'm honored you trusted me with it, and I promise to return the favor by giving you a ton of edutainment value back. On my latest podcast episode, I talk about the proliferation of the licensed flavor strategy within the active nutrition categories and explore the question of how many is too many. But before we get started, I would love if you took 48 seconds out of your day to leave a rating or review on whichever podcasting platform you're currently listening to. This helps me out immensely in terms of extending the reach of my podcast, but more importantly, allows me to make improvements based on your feedback. Thank you again. Now enjoy my newest podcast episode. Pop quiz time. How many different licensed SKUs have been commercialized within the active nutrition CPG category since late 2016? If you said more than 200 and counting, then you'd be correct. Did that number surprise you? Well, it surprised the heck out of me, and that's coming from somebody that is a deep practitioner inside of the active nutrition industry. Are you maybe interested in seeing that comprehensive list? As a bonus to this particular content... I did create a supplemental database that provides details on every licensing agreement executed across the active nutrition CPG categories. To access this database, check out the first link in this content's description. I'll also be updating this free resource frequently. So make sure to bookmark the address if you're interested in staying up to date on this business strategy. I also wanted to give a quick shout out to the sponsor of today's content, Synergy Flavors. Combining a long heritage of flavor development with modern extraction technology, Synergy Flavors blend art, science, and market insight to create an exceptional array of tastes that drive brand innovation and delight consumers. Synergy Flavors has become a trusted partner to today's market-leading active nutrition brands, looking to take advantage of the excitement around licensed flavors. If you're interested in learning how Synergy Flavors can help your CPG brand stay one step ahead of the competition by developing high-quality taste solutions, head over to synergytaste.com or reach out to me directly and I'll connect you with the relevant team members. So while I was putting this content together, I realized it was the third piece in an unofficial content series covering the licensing strategy inside of the active nutrition CPG market. The first was published in February 2019, and it mostly covered the evolution of flavor artistry in the sports nutrition ready-to-mix powders that led to the first licensed flavors. Up until the very last part of the 2000s, functionality was prioritized over taste. It was kind of the sea of sameness, aka grape, watermelon, and fruit punch when you walked into any GNC or vitamin shop location. From 2008 or 2009 to 2014, you started to see sports nutrition brands utilize flavor as a differentiation point. The use of flavor innovation converged with the proliferation of the category and became arguably the starting point for the mainstreaming effect within the sports nutrition industry. In 2014, Man Sports did something that created the foundation for today's licensed flavor strategy. This is when the brand launched IsoAmino in candy flavors that mimicked the nostalgic candy that we all loved to eat as kids. Since this was a radical leap at the time, Man sports used creative name variants to help consumers connect the dots more easily. So, you had Dorks for Nerds, you had Sourbatch for Sour Patch Kids, Starblaze for Starburst, Sweet Delish for Swedish Fish, and many others. For better or worse, you can still see that flavor naming tactic being used a lot throughout the sports nutrition industry. That paradigm shift in flavoring strategy from flavor, prioritization, and extension to nostalgic mimicking led us to August 2015. This is when Gear Nutrition announced they had secured an industry-first licensing agreement with Coldstone Creamery. They posted renders on their website, but it ended up being a false start. It never happened, and the brand quickly crumbled. That's a bit of kind of useless trivia knowledge for you because I'm not too sure how many people actually remember that. That being said, the first official licensing agreement within the active nutrition categories that was commercialized came a little over a year later when Ghost Lifestyle launched Warheads Watermelon Legend pre-workout. The next few years was almost entirely Ghost adding to their roster of licensing partners, which brought us to the second piece of content in this unofficial series that I uploaded in February 2020. In that one, I covered how large CBG conglomerates altering their legacy brand portfolios to be more functional and healthier through mergers and acquisitions activity could lead to less licensing opportunities for sports nutrition brands. My assumption was strengthened by the fact that Post Holdings was cross-pollinating two owned brands with Diametized Nutrition and Pebbles Cereal. While I cited numerous other cross-pollination ideas from portfolios like PepsiCo, Kellogg Company, the Hershey Company, and others, this obviously hasn't progressed in the market yet. Because if it did, the industry likely would not be sitting at 200-plus licensed SKUs right now, a number that will undoubtedly grow in the coming years. And that kind of brings us to the question of how many are too many licensed SKUs in the active nutrition CPG categories. I don't particularly think we're anywhere near a dense saturation level when you look across the entire sales channel landscape. You might have an argument that specialty retail is getting a little bit heavier, but we haven't hit a point of substantial diminishing marginal returns yet. That being said, the industry will sooner or later hit a point where licensed products will no longer be a big enough differentiation point for a material level of success. Yes, the endless digital shelf will allow for endless licensed products in the space, but large retail channels that have fixed merchandising sets will eventually apply a gatekeeper's lens. Heeding that advice, brands should be thinking about licensing opportunities more strategically. I mean, this seems like common sense and I won't name names, but I feel some of the existing collabs were done because they felt like it was needed from a defensive strategy perspective. Innovation to parity is not going to cut it in this next phase, and it's important to remember that not all licenses are created equal. Now. Don't misconstrue what I just said, though, because I didn't mean the bigger the license or the more valuable it will be to the licensee. Yes, obviously, big names carry power in the large retail channels, but there's way more to this licensing strategy that will become essential for success. In the current phase, it comes down to a brand's ability to align and execute on authentic storytelling and or channel partner fit. On a recent Bellring Brands Earnings Conference call, CEO Darcy Horn Davenport discussed why their two licensing agreements with Dymatize have been working so well. She stated, the idea of licensing has been around in the specialty side of the world. What I think was really well done by the team here is finding the right licenses for mainstream, and that's where I think Pebbles is perfect as well as Duncan. So." What I think you'll see more of is it's about finding the right license to match the equity, to match the channels. And I think these were home runs. It's important to remember that Diamond is about a $200 million legacy brand that's growing at about 50% year-over-year with large distribution scale. There aren't many like-for-like brands to Diamond right now. So you can't plug in their playbook and be successful. While the current phase does allow for authentic storytelling or channel partner fit, the next stage will require brands to be strategically aligned between the licensed IP, authentic storytelling, and channel partner. If you're wanting to be effective in licensing on e-commerce only, or kind of mostly, it will really come down to a brand's ability to make consumers give a shit. Size doesn't matter in this case. Authentic stories do matter. As an example, if I started Josh's supplements, I would create a licensing deal with the Good Humor Ice Cream Company. That wouldn't be a substantial deal in the eyes of licensing leaders like Ghost, Dimatize, MyProtein, or even G Fuel. So, why would it be so impactful to Josh's supplements? Well, firstly, if you know anything about me on any level, you know that I'm obsessed with ice cream. Secondly, because Good Humor was founded in Youngstown, Ohio, I was born and raised in Youngstown, Ohio, and ate a metric ton of Good Humor ice cream products growing up. And Good Humor also invented the ice cream truck, which I'm going to guess touched the lives of almost all American children. I would build depth into the story from a library of creative assets and that licensed IP would be more valuable than say landing the biggest ice cream brand in America, Ben and Jerry's. Now, I mainly talked about flavor IP and not entertainment IP, but you'll notice in the database that I mentioned earlier that around one third of all the current license SKUs are related to entertainment IP. And if you remember, I stated that more entertainment IP would be licensed by sports nutrition brands in my 2022 predictions content. I also remarked that most would be horribly done, so please, please, please apply the same strategic suggestions to this class of licenses as well. Outside of Ghost Space Jam and Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, and maybe a few of the G Fuel Ones, these entertainment licensing efforts so far have been subpar at best. So I just want to end on some quick final thoughts. In my opinion, licensing is just getting started in the active nutrition categories. Ghost was able to change the game with its first licensed product in late 2016, but it will take more than innovation to parity to push the supplement industry forward. It's about being different, not better than incumbents in this next phase. To win, it will need to be done through depth of authentic storytelling that's aligned with your sales channel strategy. I hope you've enjoyed this podcast episode. If you have any comments or questions about anything I discussed during it, open the podcast episode notes and click on any of my social media account links to reach out to me directly.